Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm your reader, Mary Francis. Let's take a look at the front page. There's a large photo of a gentleman making an order of pad thai at the Diamond Thai Cuisine restaurant. And the headline there is Made to Order Healthy Thai Food. Another story, Council to Consider Water Park Proposal. And those are the only two stories on the front page, and we'll start with that council story. Developer plans to open Siouxland Splash by summer of 2025. A long-awaited water park may be coming to Sioux City. The Sioux City Council on Monday will vote on a resolution inviting proposals for the sale of a roughly 10-acre parcel along Highway 75. The resolution also announces the council's intent to accept the proposal of an investor consortium planning to build a water park on the property and sets a date for proposals and a public hearing. City staff have been working on the land deal with the developer, Frontline Development LLC, which is a group of local investors that intends to build a water park called Siouxland Splash. The developer is ready to move ahead on acquiring the land, which is located at 3820 Highway 75 North and building the water park, according to council agenda documents. Siouxland Splash is slated to be open for business by the summer of 2025 and is, quote, under design by a team of experienced and specialized water park consultants, unquote, according to the agenda item. Sioux City at present has several public pools and splash pads, but no water parks. Siouxland Splash will be, quote, a dynamic water park, featuring an array of attractions such as body slides, tube slides, a multi-featured kid zone, and diverse pools for all ages, according to the agenda, as well as a culinary hub with a variety of food and drink options. The water park will have an initial $7 million minimum tax valuation. The land would be sold to the developer at a price of $22,946 per acre, and the total would be $229,460. The development would make a $100,000 payment at the close of the deal and pay the remainder of the balance over 10 years. The city approved the purchase of 42.13 acres at 3820 Highway 75 North in late February in hopes of attracting commercial developers to the north side. As part of the deal, the city would agree to construct street improvements for an entrance to the site at an estimated cost of $1 million, half of which would be eligible for Iowa DOT RISE grant funding and build a regional stormwater pond to serve the site, which the estimated cost for that is $367,000. The city would also provide a partial 75% property tax rebate of the new incremental taxes created by the value added to the property. This would amount to a total tax rebate assistance estimated at $1.7 million over the 10-year period. The developer has also requested an option to purchase slash right of first refusal agreement on the remainder of the 42-acre site for a period of 10 years for potential future expansion of the water park or related developments like a hotel. A public hearing for any qualified proposals and for the acceptance of the Sioux Land Splash proposal will be held January 22nd 
4 p.m. at the Council Chambers. Any additional proposals should be submitted to the City Economic and Community Development Department, that's room 308 City Hall, and the deadline for that is January 22nd at 1 p.m. In other business, the Sioux City Council will be asked Monday to approve a change order to its contract with Rock Solid Trail Contracting, LLC, for additional trail work at Cone Park. The city's original contract with Copper Harbor, Michigan-based, Copper Harbor, Michigan-based Rock Solid Trail Contracting was for a little more than $1 million to build the Natural Surface Trail Project at Cone Park, once known primarily for its winter snow tubing hill and now designated as an all-seasons park. The 10.5 miles of sustainably constructed mountain bike trails are expected to be, and now designated, as an all-seasons park. The 10.5 miles of sustainably constructed mountain bike trails are expected to be completed next spring. The change order for $206,348.80 would add two trail segments, progressive lines, and will fund additional dirt work. The revised contract in total will now come to $1,236,366.16. In other business, mobile fare pay system. The council will be asked Monday to authorize city staff to proceed with negotiations with the Atlanta firm of Passio Technologies for a mobile fare pay system for the Sioux City Transit System a request for proposals for an electronic transit fare pay system was sent to 11 potential vendors and posted on the city's website June 16. Four proposals were received and interviews and demonstrations with the four bidders were held in October. And Mayor's Youth Commission. The council will also be asked Monday to appoint 49 Sioux City students to the Mayor's Youth Commission for terms beginning January 1 and ending December 31 of each student's senior year. Of that total, 35 students are from Bishop Helan, one a student at East High School, four students at North High School, four students at Siouxland Christian, and five are students at West High School. And the other big story from the front page, Thai food made to order. Sioux City Thai restaurants offer healthy, tasty food options. Pud Thai, a savory stir-fried rice noodle dish served with peanuts, veggies, a scrambled egg, and your choice of meat, is one of the most popular meals in the Southeast Asian country of Thailand. It's also the top entree at Diamond Thai Cuisine, a family-owned eatery at 515 West 7th Street that specializes in Thai and Chinese food. Customers love Pud Thai, um, said the owner Lei. He has a really long name, but goes by the nickname Lay. It's always fresh and tasty and just hits the spot. With his wife, Key, they've also, they have owned Diamond Thai for more than six years. Both of them have a long history in Thai cuisine, working the kitchens in Illinois, Kansas, and Louisiana before coming to Iowa. Their Thai cuisine is becoming increasingly popular. Thai food often use fresh vegetables, fruits like papaya and limes, as well as herbs and spices like chili, curry, and coriander, he said. 
Unity Point Health St. Luke's registered dietitian Judy Held said while some Asian cuisine can be healthy, certain dishes may prove problematic. When you eat in a restaurant, you can't always regulate what goes into a meal, she said. Soy sauce is high in sodium, and things like a sweet and sour sauce may have an excess amount of sugar. In addition, fried foods like egg rolls and crab rangoon pile on the calories, so might creamy soups. When Held makes Asian food at home, she uses plenty of bamboo shoots and water chestnuts. They're both high in fiber, she said. So then it has details, Diamond Thai Cuisine at 515 West 7th Street. They're open Tuesday through Sunday from 11 to 8. Their phone number is 712-258-2343. Everyone can use more fiber in their diet. He will work with the dietary needs of his customers, says the owner. Thai food is very adaptable, he said. For instance, a dinner can substitute tofu as a protein in pud thai or any dish on Diamond Thai's menu. People with a nut allergy can order in peanut-free pad thai or without the egg for an entirely vegan version of the meal. Among Diamond Thai's healthier options are the Thai papaya salad, which is shredded green papaya and carrots tossed with tomatoes, green beans, and a lemongrass vinaigrette, a glass noodle salad, which is ground chicken and shrimp, bean thread noodles, roasted chili, onions, fresh herbs, and lime juice, and salad Cog, that's K-H-A-G, which is cucumbers, tomatoes, carrots, chopped lettuce, eggs, and a dressing. Soups can include Kang Jeed, which is vegetable broth, tofu, bean thread noodles, and Tom Young Gal, which contains a spicy and sour broth with lemongrass, chicken, mushrooms, tomatoes, a lime leaf, and a citrusy spice called Galangal. Noodle lovers might enjoy the Thai wok noodle or pod se lu, which is wok-fired flat rice noodles with garlic, broccoli, carrot, eggs, and a caramelized soy sauce, or the spicy wok noodle, which is similar but seasoned with a zesty chili and garlic base. He said he can, anything can be changed to suit the preference of the diner. We have customers who come in two or three times a week who order the same thing, he said. We also have people who like to be more adventurous. But he guarantees that everything that comes out of his kitchen will be fresh, flavorful, and made to order. Thai food tastes good, and it can also be good for you, he said. And not much local news in the Monday paper, so I'm going to go over to the Sunday paper and keep going with some local news. Two women killed in crash near Storm Lake. A driver and her passenger died early Friday in a two-vehicle collision north of Storm Lake. According to the Iowa State Patrol, Myra Lopez Zavala was eastbound in a Chevrolet Trax sport utility vehicle on County Road C-43 about 7:11 a.m. when she pulled out from a stop sign at the intersection of US-71 and into the path of a southbound Dodge Ram pickup truck driven by Jeffrey Keyes. The pickup struck the SUV on the driver's side. Lopez Zavala, age 30, of Storm Lake, and her passenger, Maria Zavala Saldana, age 62, also of Storm Lake, both died from injuries sustained in the crash. Both were using a seatbelt. Keys, age 47, of Sioux Rapids, Iowa, was treated for minor injuries at the scene. 
Next story from Sunday's Sioux City Journal. Man charged with Sioux City shooting, formally, formally charged with murder. A Sioux City man suspected of fatally shooting another man earlier this month has been formally charged with murder. Assistant Iowa Attorney General Michael Ringel on Friday filed a trial information uh, charging Farron Starr with first-degree murder for the December 3rd shooting death of Nathaniel Parker III. The Attorney General's office is prosecuting the case after the Woodbury County Attorney General's office said it had a conflict in the case. Starr, age 38, is scheduled to be arraigned January 3rd in Woodbury County District Court. He's represented by the Iowa Public Defender's Special Defense Unit after public defender's offices in Sioux City, then Council Bluffs, withdrew after being appointed to the case. The Sioux City office cited a conflict of interest in the case, while the Council Bluffs office said it did not have staff available to represent Starr. Starr remains in custody in the Woodbury County Jail in lieu of a $1.1 million bond. The new court filing gave no new details in the case, simply stating Starr, quote, having malice aforethought, willfully, deliberately, and without premeditation, unquote, killed Parker. If found guilty as charged, Starr would face a mandatory sentence of life in prison without parole. Police responding to a call of shots fired at 513 9th Street found Parker, age 31, of Sioux City, with a single gunshot wound in the chest. He was pronounced dead at the scene. According to court documents, an eyewitness who had been in the apartment with Parker told police that prior to this shooting, she heard a man she identified as Star arguing with Parker about money shortly before hearing a gunshot and seeing Parker fall backward. The witness said Star was standing in front of Parker and holding a gun. Three other witnesses told police Star told them shortly before the shooting that he was on his way to confront Parker about money. One of the witnesses said Starr showed him a firearm, court documents said. Starr was arrested December 6 without incident. He also had an outstanding arrest warrant in connection with a case in which he is charged with stabbing his girlfriend. He has pleaded not guilty to numerous charges in the November 2022 incident and is scheduled to stand trial in February in Woodbury County. At the time of his death, Parker was on probation after a jury in November found him guilty of assaulting of assault causing bodily injury for the February 24 death of William Harlan Jr., who is a Sioux City man who was fatally stabbed in the back seat of a car in which Parker was riding. Parker had been charged with first-degree murder, but jurors found him guilty of the lesser charge, and he was released from jail after serving 221 days in custody. Next story from Sunday's Sioux City Journal, Iowa delegation renews push for year-round E-15. This is from Caleb McCullough of the Des Moines Bureau of the Journal. Members of Iowa's congressional delegation are renewing their push for federal officials to allow the sale of E-15 in Iowa year-round. U.S. Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst, along with Representatives Randy Feenstra, Marionette Miller-Meeks, and Ashley Hinson signed on to a bipartisan letter on Thursday urging Biden administration officials 
to finalize a rule that would allow the sale of E15. That's gasoline blended with 15% ethanol during the summer months in some Midwestern states. It's the latest beat in a battle stretching over a year from some Midwestern states to make the year-round sale of fuel permanent. Federal rules limit the sale of E15 between June 1 and September 15 because of concerns that it contributes to smog. In a letter from 22 members of Congress, the lawmaker said the approval would provide certainty to refiners and retailers who are preparing for the summer 2024 driving season. In April 2022, eight Midwestern governors, including Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, made a request under the Clean Air Act to make the year-round sale of E15 permanent. Federal regulators approved waivers in 2022 and 2023, allowing the sale of the fuel in the summer months, citing the high cost of gasoline during that time, spurred by supply chain issues and the war in Ukraine. The EPA released a proposal rulemaking in March of this year that would have made the summer sale of E15 permanent, starting April of 2024. But, after final implementation of the rule was delayed, Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd sued the EPA in August, accusing the agency of illegally delaying its rulemaking process. The Clean Air Act requires the agency to finalize a rule requested by governors within 90 days of the request. The EPA said in a court filing this week it plans to implement the final rule by March 2024, but lawyers for Iowa and Nebraska asked the court to reject that plan and force the agency to finalize the rule sooner. In their letter on Thursday, the lawmakers pointed to reporting from Reuters that suggested officials are delaying the rulemaking over warnings from oil refiners that approving the rule would risk supply chain issues and gas price increases. The lawmakers refuted that claim and pointed to analyses from MathPro and ICF that found Midwestern infrastructure is prepared to make the switch. They also pointed to EPA estimates that E15 fuel is about 25 cents cheaper than E10. Homegrown, American-produced ethanol strengthens our national security and ensures lower vehicle emissions to achieve the administration's climate goals, the letter says. It continues, as we approach the 2024 summer driving season, it is critical that the Biden administration work swiftly to finalize the governor's requests, bringing much-needed certainty to our corn growers, fuel retailers, and consumers to enjoy the clean-burning, lower-cost benefits of year-round E15, unquote. Iowa leads the nation in ethanol production, using more than half of the corn grown in the state to produce as much as 4.5 billion gallons a year. In a statement on Thursday, Feenstra said the rulemaking process has been delayed unnecessarily. Quote, this lack of leadership has forced Iowa families to pay more at the pump and created uncertainty for Iowa farmers and ethanol producers. I'm proud to work with my Midwestern colleagues to urge the Biden administration to finally approve this request and allow for the year-round sale of low-cost E15, he wrote. In a big story from the front page of the Sunday paper, shows a large photo of a young man, uh, Bishop Heelan Catholic High School trumpet player Burton Anderson, playing a trumpet during band rehearsal. 
Most high school bands don't incorporate taps or simulate a 21-gun salute as part of its program, but Bishop Heelan Catholic High School Marching Band will be performing a very patriotic number at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, December 30, in Atlanta. The Crusaders Marching Band will play In Love and Honor, which is a routine arranged by composer Kyle Sandall prior to a football game involving Penn State and Ole Miss inside of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. According to band director Gina Larson, Helan was one of only 40 schools nationally invited to participate in the 55th annual Peach Bowl. Bands are chosen based on how well they do in competitions, and Helan is coming off an exceptional year, she explained. The students have really earned this opportunity. Indeed, the marching band has been practicing in love and honor since mid-July. The program revolves around letters sent to and from a young soldier going off to war and the girlfriend he leaves back home. It's a real tearjerker, Larson said. How to watch the Peach Bowl. The 2023 Peach Bowl, featuring Old Miss Rebels battling Penn State Nittany Lions, will be televised from Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium December 30, beginning at 11 a.m. Drum Major Cahill Kirkpatrick said, Extra care was taken to ensure authenticity. We have parents who are also military personnel in our school, he said. They'll tell us if we're not doing something correctly. That attention to detail is important to drum major Lucy Anderson. Every single morning we were on the field, ready to rehearse at 7, the Heelan Jr. explained. There's just so much effort and attention going into this show. Anderson said members have had countless fundraisers for the trip. Larson agreed, noting how expensive it was to charter multiple buses for kids, faculty, and equipment to and from Atlanta. Band members have sold, among other things, Krispy Kreme donuts during the school year and even had a station set up when Ragbri was in town last summer, she said. Kirkpatrick said the hard work was worth it. Everyone dreams of being on a national stage at some point, he said but you never think it could be a reality, especially when you're in high school. Anderson said she's seen growth in herself as well as her fellow band members over a short amount of time. It's incredible to think where we were in my freshman year to now, she said. It's been a huge step up. However, Anderson insists she and the band are ready to perform for their biggest audience ever. I've never been to Atlanta before, she said. It's going to be exciting. Kirkpatrick, on the other hand, has been to Atlanta, even though he never ventured beyond the airport. My family has flown into Atlanta on our way to someplace else, he said, but this will be my first real trip to Atlanta, as well as my first time to any bowl game. Kirkpatrick said this experience will last a lifetime. I'm happy knowing that the entire marching band is going to the Peach Bowl together, he said. That's what makes it so special. And page two of the Sunday... Sioux City Journal, Trump surrogates hit the ground in Iowa in push to clinch GOP nomination. Dateline, Cedar Rapids. Conservative firebrand Matt Gates, the Florida Republican congressman and Donald Trump ally, stopped in Cedar Rapids Friday to campaign for the 2024 Republican presidential candidate and former president. Speaking to a sparse group of about 50 people in a downtown hotel ballroom, Gates attacked Democrat President Joe Biden's economic agenda 
and immigration and climate policies. Quote, I couldn't believe it today as we were driving across the beautiful state, all the signs saying, no solar farms, no wind turbines, Gates said. It seems as though we are turning America's heartline in, heartland into some Green New Deal experiment, and it's costing our country a great deal, he said. Gates said the U.S. is, quote, blessed to have a great wealth of fossil fuels, and we ought to have the ability to have cheap energy for all Americans and a high quality of life. He said the Biden administration has, quote, distorted the economy with trillions of dollars in tax incentives for investments in renewable energy projects, quote, that really impact the way we buy energy, the way we fuel production, the way we achieve an efficient supply chain, all of the things that make an economy work, unquote. Republicans argue spending programs signed into law by Biden are pumping too much money into the economy and fueling inflation and high interest rates, which continued to moderate. Falling gas prices helped keep a lid on inflation last month. Gates told the crowd he's trying to bring, quote, some sanity back to Washington over government spending and budgeting. The Florida congressman was among a group of lawmakers blocking votes on a federal budget plan that threatened a government shutdown if legislation wasn't passed. Gates, on Friday, to applause, said the budgeting process has to change by forcing a return to passing individual appropriations bills, as opposed to massive omnibus spending packages, and allowing for more open debate and amendment processes on those bills. He said of his Republican colleagues in Congress, he said they, quote, have to have the courage to say no to the Biden administration. Quote, no more funding a border that is broken. No more funding government agencies that can turn against the people. No more funding a corrupt Department of Justice, unquote. While the House adjourned for the year on Thursday without passing aid to Ukraine and Israel, Senate Democrats announced they would put off their holiday, uh, upcoming holiday break and stay in Washington next week to work on an elusive border deal in order to win Republican backing of long-delayed funding for Ukraine. House Republicans want to raise the credible fear standard, triggered when asylum seekers express a fear of persecution if they return to their home country. Quote, there's no real review of the legitimacy of any asylum claim, Gates said. They know they can say the magic word and they get processed right into the country, unquote, adding the country has the technological capability to secure the border and stem the flow of illegal border, border crossings. Quote, it's about the willpower to return to the Trump policies, Gates said, of forcing asylum seekers to wait in Mexico while their cases are pending, and Trump's use of Title 42, a policy that provided expedited removal of unauthorized migrants entering the U.S. Some Democratic lawmakers and Latino advocates worry that harsh asylum policy reforms paired with the expedited removal process will fuel mass deportations of people who could otherwise qualify for asylum. Quote, and our policy under a Trump administration will be detain or remove. That simple, Gates said to applause. Biden has requested added funding to focus on border enforcement, including to add 375 immigration judges 
1,300 new Border Patrol agents and funding for holding facilities as the administration works to quickly deport those who do not qualify for asylum. The federal lawmaker has taken center stage in U.S. politics after instigating the vote to oust Representative Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker, plunging Congress into crisis and uncertainty. He was among a group of prominent surrogates and close allies who descended on the state this week as part of a push by Team Trump to shore up support and solidify the former president's dominant lead as the Republican presidential frontrunner a month out from the January 15th Iowa caucuses, which will kick off the GOP presidential nominating contest. Ben Carson, the former president's Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, is scheduled to deliver remarks and kick off a Team Trump Iowa Faith Tour Tuesday in Sioux City. Quote, There's no other group coming to save this nation, Gates told the crowd Friday. We have to unify as patriots, and we have to know the stakes in what is before us, and that Iowa GOP caucus goers are, quote, at the tip of the spear. Trump gave a speech in Coralville on Wednesday before planned stops in New Hampshire and Nevada second and third on the primary calendar, respectively. The former president is scheduled to return to Iowa Tuesday for a speech in Waterloo. That will mark his fifth campaign stop in Iowa this month, as his campaign looks to convert his massive popularity among conservatives in the state into a strong showing at the caucuses. Trump enters the final stretch to the Iowa caucuses, buoyed by the recent state polling that shows he has strengthened his already commanding lead over former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Iowa. And Trump's allies in the Republican-led House of Representatives, including Gates, have approved a formal impeachment inquiry of Democratic President Joe Biden that could have ramifications for Biden's campaign, even as their investigations into the financial dealings of Biden and his family thus far have failed to produce evidence of misconduct or criminal wrongdoing by the president. Trump faces criminal indictments that amount to more than 90 felony charges, including criminal charges that include conspiracy to defraud the United States and witness tampering over efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Gates is reportedly facing a House Ethics Committee inquiry. He has been under investigation since 2021, over allegations that he engaged in sexual misconduct and illicit drug use, shared inappropriate images or videos on the House floor, converted campaign funds to personal use, and accepted impermissible gifts under House rules, among other allegations. In February, the Justice Department decided not to bring charges against Gates in a probe that included allegations involving sex trafficking and sex with a minor, Gates has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing. Jim Young, age 70, of Cedar Rapids, said he will caucus for Trump, same as he did in 2016. Quote, I just feel that he's got the experience from being president before, and I'm also one of those election deniers, he said. I don't believe that he lost in 2020. Dozens of post-election ballot reviews and failed lawsuits across the country have found no evidence of widespread fraud that affected the outcome of the 2020 election. Young also dismissed the multiple criminal indictments Trump faces as, quote, fictitious, and said it only reinforces his support 
of the former president. Quote, he's the only one willing to fight for the Republicans like Democrats fight for their own, he said. His quote continues, they're really persecuting him and he shouldn't be the subject of that persecution, unquote. Should Trump be convicted, Young said, quote, we're still voting for him no matter what. If he's not on the ballot, we will write his name in, Young said. And that's the halfway point of the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Sunday and Monday, December 17 and 18, 2023. You're listening to IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and for Handicapped. We're so glad to have you listening. And now we'll uh, turn to obituaries. James Abshear, James L. Jim Abshear, age 81, of Sioux City, died Wednesday, December 13, at a local hospital. Private family services will be held at a later date. Arrangements are being taken care of by the Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City. Susan Marie Evans Church, age 67, of Sioux City, passed away December 6th. Memorial service, Wednesday, December 20, 2 p.m. at the Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City. Visitation will take place at 1 o'clock prior to the service. Chad Michael Gritzmaker, age 49, of Corning, born and raised in Sioux City, passed away peacefully after a brave battle with cancer, where he always lived in small boxes of hope. Uh, services cremation is planned with a memorial service to be held at a later date. A celebration of life will also be held in Corning after the holidays. And there were no opinion pages in the Monday or Sunday papers, but I did find an opinion page on Saturday's edition, so we'll hit that now. This is our opinion from the Journal Editorial Board. Your donations make Mr. Goodfellow work. And it shows a photo of volunteers packaging toys for the 2023 Mr. Goodfellow program. It says thanks to donors, thousands of Siouxland children will get toys for Christmas. And the uh, piece reads, Change has been a big part of the journal's story this year. And as a result, it was a chapter in the Mr. Goodfellow book, too. Because the newspaper's new office doesn't have any space for toy storage, the charity had to look for a different place to distribute books and toys to children. The Goodfellow folks found it at the Seaboard Triumph Foods Expo Center, a dandy site with lots of parking and indoor space for waiting. As recipients discovered last week, the switch could not have been more welcome. At the Expo Center, volunteers had plenty of room to fill the bags and get them quickly to the parents and guardians who were there to pick them up. Even better, those waiting didn't have to stand outside in the cold. A win-win? You bet. But that does not diminish the need. This year, hundreds more applied for Goodfellow's help, suggesting that we haven't completely weathered the financial storms that accompanied the pandemic. As a journal reporter learned more than a century ago, the need is particularly acute during the holidays. Although this year's toys distribution, toy distribution rather, concludes today, that doesn't mean Mr. Goodfellow has closed the books on Christmas 2023. All year long, the charity collects money from businesses and individuals and could still use more to pay the bills. The little 
Yellow Dog Auction, which is graciously held by the ancient and effervescent order of the Little Yellow Dogs, is a key source of income for Mr. Goodfellow. It brought in thousands this year and helped organizers breathe a little easier. Still, there's a lot of ground to cover, particularly since toy prices have increased considerably over the years. If you are looking for a way to feel the holiday spirit, consider a donation to Mr. Goodfellow. It's one of the only charities in Siouxland that doesn't have a staff, office space, or overhead. Thanks to incredible volunteers, the money you give goes directly to purchasing the toys. For more than a 100 years, this homegrown charity has been making Christmas a little merrier for the children of Siouxland. Thank you for making that possible. And that's from Bruce Miller, who's the editor of the Sioux City Journal. And we have some letters to the editor. First one comes from John Stetson of Sioux City, and he writes, October 7th was a day that will not soon be forgotten by the Palestinians nor the Israelis. This is the day Hamas invaded Israel and butchered over 1,400 Israeli men, women, and children and took over 200 hostages. There can be no justification for the butchery of children and babies in the arms of their mothers and fathers. When it was learned of the atrocities committed, the tears and pain suffered by every Israeli turned to rage, a rage the world will remember. Why Hamas committed this atrocity is not known. They had to know if they hit Israel with their hand, Israel would respond with a sledgehammer. The pain the Israelis suffered, Hamas will suffer a thousand times more. Hamas is made up of Palestinians and there would be collateral damage as Israel hunts down every Hamas participant involved in the slaughter and butchery of their children and babies. If it takes a hundred years, retribution will be done. Make no mistake, Hamas participants are probably dead men walking. And that's from John Stetson of Sioux City. Next letter to the editor comes from Richard Satter of Sioux City. And he writes, Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota farmers I see what China is doing to our energy and car industry. I also see what China is trying to do to our beef industry. China imports millions of pounds of our beef and our pork. Now they're trying to control these industries by claiming that cow gas is bad for the climate. Slow down U.S. production and build up China beef and pork production. And that is from Richard Satter of Sioux City. The next piece is an editorial written from Susan Stewart, a retired corporate attorney. She's been living in Sioux City for 40 years, and she writes, The caucuses can be full of surprises. For Republicans, one of the most important times of the year approaches. That's 7 p.m. Monday, January 15th, when they can select their preferred presidential candidate at their neighborhood precinct caucus. On that date, the barrage of Texts, mailers, and advertisements will end, too. I'm particularly looking forward to that. Somehow, Republican mailing lists assign my daughter's phone number to me. She gets daily texts asking her to support Republicans. She's a former Democratic congressional staffer and pollster and definitely does not appreciate getting messages from Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. I hope this is not repetitious or old news. But this article provides a well-timed opportunity to provide some basic information on how to caucus. In 2016, 
the last time there was a contested presidential caucus in Iowa, approximately 4,000, or 25%, of Woodbury County Republicans turned out. That year saw a surge in Republican caucus-goers, as Trump supporters made their preference known in unlikely places. First of all, you need to know where to go. You can check the Republican Party of Iowa website, and that is iowagop.org slash 2024caucus. All precinct caucus locations are shown there, but be careful to check where you need to go. Caucuses are not necessarily at your polling place. You will need to figure out what your precinct number is in order to find your caucus location. The RPI website steps you through that process. You may want to get there a little early. You'll need to provide photo ID at check-in. If you've moved recently, even within your precinct, or you are not registered to vote as a Republican, you will need to register as a Republican. If not matching your photo ID, you will need to bring some additional information to verify your new address, like a lease or a utility bill. In other words, you can only vote in the caucus if you are registered to vote as a Republican and can prove you reside at an address in your precinct. After you're checked in, the meeting will be called to order by Republican Party officials, and you will hear speeches supporting each of the candidates. Don't worry, they will be short. You will be provided with a paper ballot on which you can mark your preferred candidate. Precinct officials will collect the ballots and count the votes. Vote counting is a transparent process that anyone can watch. The results will be announced at the caucus and then reported to the state. After this comes the party organization part of the caucus. Precinct chairs will be elected. County convention delegates are also elected, or selected rather. The county convention is the first step in the arduous process leading up to the national convention. If you want to see an issue addressed in the county platform, you could submit a proposed plank. Most times, all ideas submitted end up being fully vetted at the county convention. That's all there is to it and it's important that you be heard. Every contested caucus results in surprises. These surprises come from what the voters want, not from absentee ballots or some type of carefully choreographed actions of dark money packs. It is truly the grassroots in action, and it will be close and impactful even if the impacts are mainly on the second and third place candidates. I don't want to leave the Iowa Democratic Party out. Its members will be caucusing as well. On January 15, the party will only conduct the local party organization activities. Presidential preference will not be expressed in person, but instead by response to a mail-in ballot, with results released on March 5, cleverly within primary season. Oh, and please be nice. There's no way of knowing how many people will show up. You don't have to RSVP. If you have to wait in a line, just talk to your neighbors. A few years ago, one caucus location was so overcrowded that I tried, unsuccessfully, to stand in front of TV cameras so the camera people couldn't film some people chewing out the caucus leader. Hopefully, there's enough room in the caucus sites and parking lots, but you never know until it's over. And that was from Suzanne Stewart. She's a retired corporate attorney. It says during the 40 years she has lived in Sioux City, She's been involved in a variety of local and state volunteer activities, including serving as the chair of the Woodbury County Republican Party. She and her husband, Dr. Bob Stewart, 
are the parents of four children and they have six grandchildren. And there were no local sports in the Sunday or Monday Sioux City Journal, so I've gone back to Saturday. Here we've got a profile um, of a female volleyball player. It just lights a fire in me. Blackhawks star Bove, driven by teammates and love of the game. And it shows a photo of Hinton's Bailey Bove, that's B-O-E-V-E, -E, or could be Bouvet, goes for a kill during the class 2A state volleyball tournament in Coralville. If there's any truth to the saying, home is where the heart is, then Bailey Bove is at home whenever she steps foot on the volleyball court. While the Hinton High School sophomore middle outside hitter has been a standout against across several sports, rather, it's volleyball that won her heart from a young age, and it shows. Blessed with talent and ability beyond her years, the heart that Bove plays with is perhaps what takes her game to another level. A lot of that comes from practice and repetition, she said, and a lot of it is just trusting my teammates. We trust each other to fulfill our roles within the team. Off the court, she's a thoughtful, fairly reserved teenager. On the court, this Sioux City Journal's All-Area Small Class Player of the Year is as fierce a competitor as they come and it was birthed by family tradition. Off the court, I would say I'm definitely quieter, said Bove, but when I get on the court, there's just a rush of energy and excitement. It just lights a fire in me. That's why I love volleyball so much. It's about the only thing that gives me that feeling. I feel it when I play other sports too, of course, but volleyball is the main one. My aunt, Hinton co-head coach Kate Ortegren, played at Morningside, so I was going to watch college games when I was little. So I've just grown up around it. And when we go on family vacation, there's always a sand volleyball game. That was like a thing for me to grow up and be a part of that match. While for some, athletic competition means conjuring up a dislike for the opposition. Bove's driving force stays on the Blackhawks' side of the net. Bailey is driven by what she can do to help her team succeed, said Ortegren who coaches Hinton alongside Robin Moore, who is a Class 2A All-Northwest District Coach of the Year. She wants to win, and that's what drives her. She wants to create opportunities for her team to succeed and win. Which is to say, she plays not so much to destroy the competition, although that can be a byproduct of her skill and production, but rather, Bove's overarching motivation is to be at her best in order to help her team achieve the most. Though she's a multi-sport athlete at Hinton, very successful at that as her freshman year included placing in the top 10 in 2A at state in the long jump, high jump, and 100-meter hurdles, plus an all-state basketball nod, volleyball has been her first love. Ever since she was little, she's had her heart set on volleyball, said Ortegren. She has always had a ball in her hands. I can remember her always wanting to play volleyball. When someone around her was playing she always wanted me to teach her new things and new drills or things she could do with a friend or a sibling to make her game better she's always had that desire to play and improve and she still has that today i don't think that will ever go away because her love of the game is very intense but her love for her teammates and her school is what makes her so special in other sports as well she wants to contribute in every area that she can on the court, 
Bove shot onto the prep scene as a freshman in 2022. She went for 331 kills with a .429 rather efficiency. She ranked 12th in Class 2A with an average of 4 kills per set and led the state in all classes with 178 blocks. That's 2.2%. Sophomore slump? Not even close. Even by setting such a high bar as a freshman, her improvement as a sophomore may be equally, if not more, impressive. Bove, who was named to the Iowa Girls Coaches Association All-Class Elite Team this season, along with her second All-State nod in 2A, again led all classes in blocks this season, as she was the only player in Iowa to surpass 200 total blocks. In four more matches played, she recorded 60 more kills this season, with the exact same .429 swing percentage as she had freshman year. She's tallied 308 digs for her career thus far, split nearly evenly between two seasons, and her ace total went from 31 as a freshman to 56 in 2023, as she's maintained a career serve success rate of over 80%. Having grown up watching college games, I'll look at the players and think, those girls, girls are tall, the six-foot Bove said. I'm not like six-foot-five or anything like that, so I knew I was going to have to build some muscles and make up for it, it a little bit with my vertical jump. There was one summer where I was out in our driveway every day just jumping. I'd do my approach jumps in the garage. I'd started working on vertical probably around sixth grade, and this year I've started lifting on my own quite a bit more. Hinton is 59-5, and five, with Bove on the varsity roster, though Hinton also boasted another All-Stater in setter Ashlyn Kavarna, along with three more All-District players, seniors Avery Burgad, Carlene Hicklin, and Gabby Friesen, and one more who made the All-Conference team for the War Eagle winning Blackhawks in senior, senior libero Belle DeRocher. Bove is considered by some volleyball recruiting websites to be the number one recruit for the class of 2026 as she's not only dominated for the Blackhawks but been part a part of national championship winning AAU teams collecting most valuable player awards for those as well quote the recruiting has picked up some as we get closer to the point where colleges can start contacting me she said I've already gotten some questionnaires from a few places that wanted to get to know me a little, unquote. But it's her relentless thirst to bring her teammates along for the ride that has really propelled Hinton to success. And that makes the future full of limitless potential for Bove and the Blackhawks going forward. Quote, I definitely play for my tim teammates, said Bove. When we're out there together, that's all that matters. All the other distractions, no matter what's going on with school or anything else, that gets pushed aside, and I'm there for them. They're there for me. We become a family. I saw that right away as a freshman. Even our bench. When girls aren't playing, they're just full of energy. That's really the core of our team. I'm so blessed to have such great people around me. When we start playing, the energy just hits. I've only gotten a stronger passion for it as I've gotten older, and it's become more competitive. And then here's some... Meet Player of the Week, Bailey Bove. Favorite music. It says Country Music by Morgan Wallen and Nicki Minaj. Favorite movie, Dumb and Dumber. 
favorite sports team to follow? Anything from Iowa sports and Nebraska volleyball. Favorite foods, burgers and shrimp. Pre-game rituals, braiding hair. And we'll get some lighter news in here with a movie review entitled A Sweet Treat. There's an awful lot of magic that goes into a Willy Wonka delicacy. And even though others are eager to take him down, he has a way of staying afloat. That's what we learn in Wonka, a lavish look at the early years of the Candyman. Played by Timothy Chalamet, a great choice. He's determined to become one of the big chocolatiers. chocolatiers. Others, though, are eager to take him down. They have a corner on the market and don't want this man who can make people fly cutting into their business. They conspire, and soon it's a battle between good and evil. Director Paul King doesn't spare a sprinkle in telling the story. His sets are magical, more magical than the ones conjured in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and his costumes are spot on. Only the songs, of which there are many, tend to pale when placed next to pure imagination. Chalamet is pretty good at singing and dancing and can charm anyone with his personality, except Slugworth, who's played by Patterson Joseph, Prodnose, Matt Lucas, and Fickle Gruber, Matthew Bainton. They're the competitors who get their comeuppance in due time. First, though, Wonka has to make it through a dark chocolate life at the inn, where Mrs. Scrubbit, played by Olivia Coleman, rules without a trace of remorse. In short, she's Miss Hannigan from Annie, who thinks nothing of forcing children into servitude. To make sure there's enough of a tie to the original film, one Oompa Loompa, played with appropriate disdain by Hugh Grant, serves as a guide through a world that has no imagination. He tells people off and becomes incensed when he's trapped in a situation not of his making. The performance and storyline helps redeem characters who did not age well after the first film. Like his work in Paddington 2, Another King Venture, Grant is the much-needed comic relief that keeps this from getting too far afield. To add his own touch, the director tosses in animation, Busby Berkeley-like choreography by Christopher Gatelli, and a young girl named Noodle, who give audiences a reason to care. Like Charlie, she just wants a bit of goodness that exists in the world. Because she's under the thumb of Scrubbit, she needs someone like Wonka to pull her out. Gene Wilder fans won't have to worry that his interpretation is being usurped, but they can delight in the reverence that Chalamet has provided and the connections that he is able to make. When he sings Pure Imagination, you know the world of bars, bonbons, and chocolate fountains is in great hands. And that's all the time we have to read today's Sioux City Journal for actually Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I've been your reader, Mary Francis, and you've been listening to IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicap. Um, all of our local programs are available for you at any time as a podcast on our website, which is iowaradioreading.org. Thanks for listening to IRIS, Iowa's first and only radio reading service. 